Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Happy Monday. I've missed you. I've been away for a few weeks. And uh, as I said just before the news at 1.30, the biggest announcement, and I had to think about it. There are a couple other big announcements, but this is the biggest, I think. It certainly feels the biggest for me. Uh, and this was not planned. It's not, you know, first day back after a few weeks uh, for the big announcement. I knew nothing about this until probably about half an hour ago, maybe 45 minutes ago. And then uh, the staff was told. And uh, here to uh, tell us all about it, to make the official announcement, and he should. He should be the one to make the announcement. CGOB Sports Director Kelly Moore uh, joins us now. Kelly, with a very special guest. Take it away. I'm going to kick back and listen to this beautiful announcement. Well, I'll tell you what, Hal, we had to wait till the 34th most famous Canadian was back on the job before we can make an announcement like this. But, uh, yeah, this, Thank you. this is... This is a proud, proud day. 680 CJOB and Power 97, along with the Winnipeg Jets, are extremely thrilled to announce that we are the radio home to the Winnipeg Jets. It is all going to start tomorrow with the virtual edition of the 2020 NHL Entry Draft. Who will Jets GM Kevin Dayoff and his scouting staff take with that 10th overall selection? Will there be blockbuster trades exploding across cyberspace? Well, what we do know with 100% positivity, CJOB will be your destination for all of the home games and exclusive Jets content. And that is something we could not be happier about. I don't even have to pretend that that is giving me goosebumps. And we are so pleased to bring in Mark Chipman now, who is the co-owner and the governor of the Winnipeg Jets. Mark, I say this on behalf of all of us at 680 CJOB in Chorus, Winnipeg. Welcome home. Hey, Kelly. Um, thank you. I mean, that's sort of the exact sentiment uh that i'm feeling right now and um you know we had we had 15 wonderful years uh with ob um and it's it's nice to be back it really is well certainly great to have you back and uh uh, maybe Mark, uh, because we we did have a staff announcement about this, so I'm going to open up the curtain a little bit, and we we let everyone on our team know uh, how much you and your team at True North Sports and Entertainment uh, feel about your new radio partners. So if if you can just express that a little bit, uh, that'd be great. And then hell, you jump in after that, man. Well, Kelly, I think, um, you know, we, we, as I said, we, we had such a wonderful experience, um, you know, for, the, for 15 years. And, and we, um, we, we stepped into the shoes of the Winnipeg Jets in 1996. Um, and, and OB was the, 
you know, the incumbent broadcaster then, and, and it was OB that, that reached out, um, and, you know, and, and, and brought us on board when we, you know, we were really very much unknown and, and, uh, and the business was very new to us. And, you know, I, I, I sort of will always remember that, that, you know, when OB, um, made us uh, uh, one of their properties and, and became the official broadcaster of the Moose in 96. It, it felt like it gave us some real credibility back then. And it, it gave, put a lot of wind in our sails. And, and so I was, you know, just sort of forever grateful for that. And, 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 and the amount of investment and, and resources they put into our team all those years and including yourself, I think, um, you know, uh, it, it's just something that we were very, very proud of. So, um, you know, we, the, the the relationships run very deep over there, uh, and have for 25 years now. For myself, with yourself, and and Bob, and and I, I even recall, you know, Jeff uh, being a part of uh, the sports department back then. And yeah. so it, it's it's um, you know, it it just it's very gratifying me uh, to be reunited with uh, that great brand over there, and and the process we went through with you and Brent was. Uh, as soon as it began, I, it just felt right, and and you know I had a, a, a high degree of confidence we were going to uh, be able to uh, to do this together again. So we're we're absolutely thrilled, and I speak for everybody over here. You know the news is very well received here as well. To save most well, of my questions uh, for the next, uh, I'm going to save most of my questions uh, for the next guest who's standing by on the phone. Uh, but when I found out within the past hour that we were, it's hard to even even saying it, chokes me up. CJOB is going to be the radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. And I thought of two people when the announcement was made to staff. I thought of Ken Fryer Nicholson, who, when I came to Winnipeg in 89, that was to walk in a room with him was like walking into a room uh, with royalty. And the other person I thought of, was Bob Irving, and I understand you had the pleasure of telling Bob the news. Tell me what that was like. Well, I, you know what, uh, it, it was it was wonderful because you know, um, to be honest, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life was was uh, was tell Bob um, back when when we brought the NHL back that we were we had partnered up and, and with. Um, uh, with TSN on both the TV and radio side, it was it was a very very difficult decision that we made back then, and and it just kind of you know um, it's it's always really stuck with me. So I I I asked for and thankfully was granted uh, permission to uh, to give Bob a call um, when we had uh, you know virtually uh, shook hands last week. Um, you know, in this day and age, you can't there's we're not meeting face to face, but, uh, when yeah. Brent and Kelly, um, and myself and John Olford sort of came to the agreement last week, I, I asked if I could give Bob a call. Uh, I, he, he is like you described, uh, uh, you know, Friar, uh, I, I, I put Bob in that category for me. He's been the gold standard of, of sports broadcasting in this community, you know, my whole life. So, I wanted I wanted the, to have the privilege of letting him know that we were coming back to OB, and it was a wonderful conversation. And uh, gosh, I'm looking forward to actually being able to shake hands uh, with everybody over there as soon as that's uh, permissible. Yeah, Kelly, go ahead, ask another question or two, and, sure. and then we'll let Mark go. Absolutely, and and Mark, maybe just uh, for for our listeners. Um, 
because I know everybody is is wondering uh, how this next season is going to unfold. But before we could even get to that, uh, we're so pumped that we're going to be able to to be front and center uh, tomorrow night. And again, it'll be virtual, just like everything else these days. Uh, but of the draft coverage, but of course, it's always such a big big night uh for the the winnipeg jets uh, the evening if the first round of the nhl entry draft yeah i mean it, it it very much is um you know it's been how we built our team and uh you know i was joking with some of our guys today that you know that are uh getting prepared for it it's obviously a very very different uh process than we've had in the past uh but it's like christmas around here right it's uh it's what, you know, as I said, it's the way we've, we've built our team is through the draft and, and, uh, and we're going to get a good player tomorrow. Uh, uh, I'm told, you know, it's a deep draft. And, and so we'll, we're, we're going to get, we'll, we're going to get a few good players, but, uh, um, you know, we'll get a really good player in the first and, and likely the second. And, and, uh, you know, um, so it's, it's, it's exciting. It's like, uh, it's all very, very new to us, the way this is all going down. Um, but uh, the the excitement about the draft is is very much the same as it's always been. And just before we let you go, Mark, and thank you for coming on and doing this. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it speaks volumes uh, when you just described uh, what was one of the most important things of starting this relationship was the call to Bob. But uh, I, I think one of the things we're also really excited about in, in looking forward to the 2020-21 season and the seasons after that is is something we're going to be doing that's never been done before, and that is have the Winnipeg Jets on Power 97 on FM radio. And uh, that kind of brings a little bit of a uniqueness to this arrangement, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, that, you know, to be honest, that wasn't something that we were necessarily uh, contemplating. But when we found out that that was a possibility, um, that, that definitely adds, uh, you know, to, to the value of this for us to, to be able to broadcast across uh, such a well-known FM station as well is, is just fantastic. Uh, you know, to be able to um, just make the broadcast available to, you know, very, uh, very different, but equally passionate uh, groups of fans uh, that those two stations represent is just phenomenal. Well, Mark, from the time we had our first conversation, I look back on my phone, it was July the 24th. uh, And you and John Olford have been nothing but first class in dealing with and man i tell you i just feel so good about being being family again not that we ever weren't but uh but just being connected this way it uh it it's the greatest feeling ever well i'm glad kelly know that the feeling mutual over here we are very appreciative of the way uh both you and brent uh managed your way through this and uh you know as i said when we got started i i, I don't there was sort of uh there was just a good feeling from from the get go that this was a possibility, and we're we're thrilled to be back home with you guys, and and really looking forward to what the future brings. Joining us now, Doctor uh, Norma Dunning, an Inuk writer and researcher and scholar at the University of Alberta. Norma, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. It was quite an well, honor. Thank you. Yes. So much. It, well, and thank you for doing it. I I really enjoyed our chat last time, and of course, uh, okay. on the weekend uh, was I guess the third annual uh, Awareness Day. I'm not sure if I'm uh, giving it the proper title. Um, as we um, 
think about and, and try and do something about over in, in this number, I saw this number on the weekend, and, and mm-hmm. it, it is shocking. Over 1,200 missing and murdered Indigenous uh, women and girls since mm-hmm. 1980. It, 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 it's shocking. It is. Um, you know, well, also, I would like to add this. There are as well, and it doesn't come into media as uh, as often as it should, but there are also approximately 800 missing and murdered Indigenous men and boys. So when we add those two numbers together and mm. we look at it over a 30-year time frame, and let's just deal with that number of approximately 2,000, we can see where in this one portion of our population is uh, is disappearing and being murdered. And often, you know, the cases are not resolved quickly, and many remain as cold cases. And, you know, I think that's uh, what is really heartbreaking about this. Uh, and, and the process hasn't, hasn't gone well, has it? No, in terms of uh, whether or not law is on our side, not often, not very often. We don't, um, it's not often that we will see a conviction uh, and we can think of different cases like Colton Bushy, I think would have been the most recent that had widespread media and, you know, People are literally getting away with murder through our court systems. And so, you know, I always try and think of the average person listening to this show right now, whether they're in their car right. or, or maybe they're listening, yeah. you know, on their phone or, or mm-hmm. at home on the radio or whatever. Yeah. What's the message you want them listening right now to get from our conversation as, as we talk about this? You know, uh, I think we should have several messages, but I think the most important is that um, Indigenous Canadians don't get up in the morning and proceed to live their lives in hopes of being murdered, you know, in a day. day. And so often that uh, rhetoric of, well, you know, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, or she did that to herself in some way. And I don't think there's anyone ever who has gotten up and thought, well, I think I'll get murdered today. But, you know, so we have to think of that mentality. And why do we, why, why is it so easy to fall into that blame the victim, literally blame the victim? And, and we have to trouble that and think of it in those terms and bring it down to our own level and think about our own uh, children, our own children and how, you know, how we work so hard at protecting them. So why aren't we protecting all children and Indigenous Canadian girls and women? Why aren't we, why aren't we working at making our lives um, safer? Yeah. You, know, I'd, you know, I know for myself, I always say I'm okay until I leave my apartment. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and then everything changes. <laughs> yeah, and when something does happen, giving a damn, right? That's right. That's right. Instead of 
You know, I teach um, a required course for education students at the University of Alberta, and it looks at Canadian, Indigenous Canadian history and present-day circumstance. And, you know, I think until, until it's pointed out to us, you know, we should care about this. People don't. And it's just another Indigenous thing that's on the news and those people, every time you turn around, they're screaming about something. And, you know, it's taking that time to listen and, um, you know, doing something, getting involved. And, you know, it's like that's, that's what we all want at the end of the day. We all want to, to just live good, peaceable lives. Hey, Norma, thanks for doing this. I, I didn't want the day to get lost on the weekend. I wanted to spend at least a few minutes Aww. on it today. I appreciate it. That's really kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Joining us now, the owner of the Silver Heights Restaurant and Lounge, Tony Sawicki. Tony, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. Welcome back. How are you? Yeah, it's been too long, man. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I see those uh, those great dishes that you're putting out, though, on social media over there at uh, at the Silver Heights. Hey, I just uh, I just now heard we've been talking about this uh, 10% tax break that Councillor Klein proposed yeah. uh, for restaurant owners like yourself, and I understand that it has been voted down. Yeah, another blow to the industry. That uh, was pretty shocking to hear that, but. Uh... Yeah, no, it was uh, not what we expected, not what we wanted. We've been, you know, talking with them for for months now and went from, uh, we tried getting 100%, then we went down to 50%, and now today we tried getting 10%, at least for the business tax, the property tax, and uh, another no. So we don't really know what to, what to do now. So any little help from the municipal government there would have been nice, but uh, so far nothing. And what were the reasons uh, uh, that were given? Why why was the answer no from obviously a majority? That answer I don't have. I just got the message that it was a no. Hmm. You know, you tell me, Tony. I've known you for a long time. You tell yeah. me. I, I feel like a lot of people really felt for the restaurant industry, uh, and then it seemed like some people sort of turned against the industry and said, well, yeah, but what about us? Whatever line of work they were in, whatever challenges they were dealing with. Am I right about that? Did did it seem like some of the support that restaurants had early on during the pandemic turned? You lost a bit of support for some reason? Well, yeah, there's, you know, everybody's affected, right? Uh, sure. You know, one industry, every industry has their, their, their effects. Um, we obviously we we've been you know we've been hit the hardest we we feel we've been hit the hardest so even with hotels and and you know that that everybody is pretty much connected the vendors the producers the the suppliers the linens everybody is affected somehow right so um and, and everybody's got the reasons uh, we're just here we are we're here on on behalf of the food industry uh and uh, it just seems like you know we're a 100% customer based business and uh you know with no customers how do you keep going so that's that's where we're sitting here and with another more restrictions added you know we were, when we were walking in when we were running with uh, the restrictions we had previously 
it was tough to do. You know, we were at fifty uh, percent capacity with our social distancing and and uh, you know with all the PPEs and everything that we had to buy to make sure our customers feel safe and our staff feel safe. Uh, everything out of pocket. And now with the new restrictions, you know that I just read it now. Ten o'clock closure or no service after ten o'clock. That's a that's a whole industry right there in itself there's people that come in after 10 o'clock we've got air canada come in every night at 10, 11 o'clock for steaks and they go back to work we got boeing we got so many people that come at that time that's going to be a, a hard one to swallow too yeah and i i guess the reason i i jumped on the restaurant thing early on in the pandemic is it's not just tony sawicki it's no. everybody that works for Tony. It's everybody who works for the suppliers that supply Silver Heights and all the rest. It, 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 the trickle-down is incredible. It goes way beyond Tony Sawicki in the Silver Heights restaurant. Yeah, the ripple effect is just enormous. You know, um, when you're not buying, you're not when you're not selling, you're not buying, right? And you you have to cancel your subscriptions. You're canceling absolutely everything you can possible. The money that's going out, you have to save whatever you can. At the end of the day, you still got to make payroll. But uh, you know, if you've got no customers, well, now you got to figure out what to do with those staff. And it's a hard thing to do. You know, like it's, uh, you know I've got uh, 29 of my of my 37 employees that we had previously co-ed, so which was amazing. You know, my support from my staff, uh, they're my heroes right now. Uh, they came back. They wanted uh, they wanted to help. They wanted to see it. And uh, you know, without their support, we you know, it doesn't matter how much support you would have with uh, customers because you know we just needed. They needed the staff to do it, and their families. They had to. They had to make sure that uh, they were they were okay with their their spouses or or kids coming back to work in that, in an industry that's feared about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've talked to a few uh, restaurateurs like you, and and uh, it, it's tough. I mean, you you've been around for a long time, uh, Tony. Yeah. Your family's had the Silver Heights for a long time. How bad is it? Is it is it to the point where if things don't turn around? quickly you may have to close the doors or, or like how, give it people a sense for how bad it is for an established restaurant like you and and you know and not with as many expenses i'm i'm not i don't know this but maybe not with as many as expenses as some other newer restaurants in town you know you know what i mean yeah they, they, hit, they hit the nail on the head there we you know we've been around for 63 years so seven decades we've seen a lot up and down we've changed our course so many times uh we weathered storms nothing like this of course um we have a we, you know we're an institution in in, in st james here we have a, ma- a lot of support so when we had to close down uh you know we had a few of our staff members that sat and got together grouped together and said we're going to cook and we're going to clean and we're going to serve and we're going to do curbside pickup and delivery and that and the support from the all around us the community was overwhelming that uh we knew we could handle it and and weather it um if it happens again yes we go right back to where we where we are and you know our our pickup and our delivery has been uh, strong ever since so there are, there are uh people that still don't want to come to restaurants um and uh you know but we're still going to their houses with uh, all the food if you're new to the market uh to the game here that's the scary part they don't have the the reputation and the loyal customers or even the the rep the 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 financial institutions they don't have those people that that uh, are they're going to help them out right so yep. it's it's really tough and i it's scary if uh you know i know some restaurants that only have business after 10 o'clock at night so now what happens to them you know they're and it's just uh 
you know, there's only so much creativity we can do before we have to say, okay, now what? What's next? You know, what are, what kind of other business could we get into? <laughs> yeah, and this is. You know, we're uh, experiencing the second wave that was talked about, right? I mean, we've got yeah. 51 new cases today, 35 of them in Winnipeg. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't appear as though things are, are getting better anytime soon. We can keep our fingers crossed and hope, but it's it's not even like the numbers are on the way down and, and you can see that light at the end of the tunnel. No, that's, that's the thing. We're just sitting here day by day waiting, waiting, waiting. All we can do as operators is make sure we're – ready clean safe we're safer now more than ever before uh with all the the spacing and the masks and the and the, the sanitization and the and uh just the the continuous cleaning um our our customers that still want to frequent our place know how how clean we are and how what we're doing to keep them safe in there and the, and the staff you know when the staff feel safe then your customers are going to feel safe so it's uh yeah it's a different story right now so new restrictions in place, but you're still welcoming people to the Silver Heights. And if they're not comfortable, and we're in the middle of a pandemic, if they don't feel yeah. comfortable coming in and sitting down, they can have it uh, to go. They can order it in. There's there's many ways they can enjoy the great food at the Silver Heights. Exactly. Yeah, we'll come to you. So, but let everybody know we are safe. We are here. We are ready. And uh, most, you know, all restaurants are. We're not the ones spreading it. You know, there's people that going out. That have symptoms. They're the ones that are uh, that you know should really realize that you know if you're not feeling good, don't go out. All you're doing is hurting uh, reputations of restaurants that are trying to do the best for their staff and community. Tony, thanks a lot. All the best. You too, Al. Thanks again. Tony Swicky, owner of the Silver Heights Restaurant and Lounge. <music> Joining us now on the phone. Uh, Brent Bellamy, urban affairs columnist and architect at number 10. Brent, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. So um, the uh, Hudson Bay, the Bay downtown, um, Mm -hmm. will close. And now what do we do uh, with this? Any ideas? I mean, I was listening to the start this morning and, you know, already the talk of uh, a water slide. And I'm not adver- you know, I'm not against the idea of a water slide, but we have to do something more with this uh, part of our downtown. I mean, I-, I saw some video of the opening day. This was in 1926. Am I right on the year? Yeah, that's right. It's incredible, I- and I know yeah. you're a lover of history. Yeah, it's been around since way before. This is just the- that one building. They've. The Hudson's Bay has had a retail presence in downtown for 210 years. Like the re- yeah. downtown looks like the way it is because of the Hudson's Bay Company. Like it's the history of Winnipeg and Hudson's Bay Company are intertwined. And yeah, it's heartbreaking that after all those years, two centuries, it's finally coming to an end. Yeah. The best case scenario for me, and I am a lover of history. But we've got to forge on. We have to move on. And obviously it doesn't work anymore as a store. So Mm -hmm. what can we do to keep the the history but yet take it into 2020 and beyond? What what do you think? What are some ideas that are are in your head? Yeah, I've been – I actually – you guys tweeted out about 10 minutes ago – that I was going to be on, and I so I just tweeted, "Does anybody have any ideas?" And honestly, within two minutes, there was thirty responses with ideas. Exactly, water park, housing, uh, an industrial <laughs> school of design, all these ideas. Every, there's no shortage of ideas, but yes. I think what people need to consider is the scale of the building. Yes, um, 
It's half a million square feet. It's the, it's the same square footage as the Richardson building. So if you can imagine, which was the tallest building in Western Canada when it was built, like it's a massive building. If the Richardson building suddenly went empty and we were thinking about what to do with it, it wouldn't just be one idea. We would have to have lots of ideas. So mm-hmm. all the ideas that everybody has, we need all of them, to be honest, because that building is so big. And it's going to take um, a big effort to, to bring it back. And I, it's going to take government help. There's no question about it. I've, my firm, Number 10 Architects Group, has probably done five proposals over the years um, looking at different uses with you know, universities. And you know, there was a proposal to, to bring Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries head office there a few years ago. Yep. And I, I think that's sort of what it's going to take. It's going to take the, the government sort of saying, you know, we have office space needs. Um, you know, maybe the University of Manitoba, they could use a, it would be great to have a, a downtown presence for the University of Manitoba. They used to just be right across the street, actually, on, on Memorial Boulevard. They, their uh, mm-hmm. arts campus was there. It would be great to bring them back. You know, and I think that's what it's going to take and so to bring back sort of major tenants and then fill it in with things like there was a really successful grocery store. We talk about grocery stores downtown. There was one for decades in the basement of the bay that was really successful and and you know for a while there was even a zellers in the basement which was also really successful and it's a shame that kind of vanished but sort of things that that will i I think major tenants like university like liquor and lotteries those kind of things government offices and then filled in with things that support the neighborhood itself you know that's what breaks my heart is that i think the store even could have been successful if it could have just hung on because development is coming to that part of downtown you know with the redevelopment of of Portage Place, the University of Winnipeg will soon have three uh, residential towers within a couple blocks, True North Square, there's other residential projects happening right near there. And, you know, I think if if a, a retail space on the ground floor could have been part of that redevelopment, if once we bring more traffic to the, to the building. So it's going to take all those ideas, I think, in the end. And maybe, you know, maybe that can still happen, but as part of whatever this development is, because you're right, it's huge. It's, it's beyond huge. It's massive. And, and I, I kind of like the idea of, of a mixed use, you know, have some retail in there, some residential, some condos, um, you know, a a theater, do something for the arts. I I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's a water park, but, uh, whatever the answer is, uh, I, I think it's going to be, all of us putting our heads together, and yeah, and the other part you mentioned, government money, at, at a time when there ain't a lot of money. Yeah, it's true, but you know, we've we've given money to other major projects in downtown to, to keep them going, or to, to mm-hmm. be catalysts for them, so you know, there's precedent for it, and, and that's why I say yeah. bringing things like the University of Manitoba and liquor and lotteries, it's money that will be spent anyways. You know, the, the university builds anyways, so if we can find uses where it's not just a handout, where it's actually something like government offices that need to be somewhere else you know that's i think a way to to make it more palatable to government hal anderson afternoons the podcast is available on apple podcast google podcast and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts